became his servant and paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, who had sent messengers to the to So, king of Egypt, and had offered no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done the year by year. So the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded the whole land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of, of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and carried Israel away into exile into Assyria and settled them in, in Hala and Habar on the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. Okay. So, we've got Hoshea as the king of the last king of Israel. He reigns for nine years. How was he? Terrible. Bad. No. Bad. But not terrible. <laughs> right? He wasn't like the kings who were before him. Yeah. So he's better than they were. He was bad. But he could have been worse. But this is when God chooses to destroy them. You know, it's kind of like, well, you know, if, if the time for punishment really came, I mean, not even a virtuous king could stop it. And he's not virtuous, he's just not that bad. You know, he's kind of garden variety bad, not, you know, super terrible bad. And so he does that, and so Shalmaneser has made him his servant, and he has to pay tribute, and then he finds a conspiracy in Hoshea. Hoshea was sending messengers down to Egypt, um, and wasn't paying tribute to Assyria, I suppose thinking that Egypt was going to solve his problem with Assyria, and it didn't work too well. This is a good illustration that no man can serve two masters. You know, it's either Assyria or Egypt. Mm -hmm. And if you're serving one, you're not serving the other. And so, what happened with that? You know, what, what happens with the, uh, the Assyrians coming up? Captured Samaria. Yeah, they captured Samaria after a three-year siege. Carried him into exile. Yeah, exactly. So this is the downfall. Hoshea means salvation. But the king who was named meant salvation couldn't save his uh, nation. And uh, the Assyrians, like they seem to always do, you know, basically, you know, took the people out of their land and put them somewhere else, unsettling them, maybe keeping them where they can be controlled easier or whatever. So that, that's the end of Israel. Thoughts and comments. Looks like it divided them up. A couple different places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Several places. I guess. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot easier if they just keep paying you money and let them go about their business. But it really is. And then they revolt and you got to go in there and haul them off. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it really is. You can see why they like that approach, but it didn't work with the Jews. <laughs> It doesn't seem like it was a big deal to them. Like, oh, well, he stopped, so we got to go put him in jail. And like, right. I mean, I guess it took three years, but it doesn't seem like it was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. They besieged Samaria, like the whole area? The, the city. <laughs> the whole city. Okay. Just yeah, Samaria the is a city. Okay. 
stands for the nation, but he means the city here. I'm surprised they could last three years. That's a long siege. That was, but remember that could have been parts of two plus one, so it may have been a Uh, 14 month siege for all we know. Oh, okay. Why could it be parts of two and plus one? Well, because uh, the way they count their time, any part (laughs) of the day is a day. December of one year, and then all the next year, and January of the following would count three years. Three years, yeah. Weird, isn't it? It makes you a lot older than (laughs) than you think you are. So 367 days, that's three years. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Could be. So, the kings of Israel. This is the last one, so who are they? Jeroboam, Nadab, New Dynasty, starting with Asha, Elah, and then New Dynasty, and a one a one timer, Zimri, seven day, New Dynasty, then Omri, Ahab, and then Ahaziah, New Dynasty, and he was killed by Jehu, Jehoahaz, Jehoash. And Jeroboam then, second, okay, Jeroboam II and Zechariah, Zechariah, all in the same dynasty. <coughs> and then, and that's sh- the end of that dynasty, right? Because then Shalom, Shalom, new dynasty, and then Menahem, Pekahiah, Pekahiah were one, and then Pekah, and then New Dynasty. Were they in the same? No, Pekah and Hoshi are different, right? Especially Pekahiah. Did we do it? Collectively, I don't know how you do it individually, but collectively we've got. I can't, yeah, do very good. I can't do it enough. Okay, Judah is Rehoboam, Abijah, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Ahaziah, then is it Athaliah? Athaliah, if you want to counter. Then Joash, and is it Joram? No. Joash. Amaziah. Amaziah. And then Isaiah. Yeah, because they sound Amaziah. the same. Am, Aziah, and Aziah. And Aziah? They're two different ones, right? Yes. Am, Aziah, and Aziah. And then is it Asa? No, no, we had Asa as the third Asa was like, that's as long ago. Then is it another J? Jotham? Jotham. Jotham. Another J. No, J. Ahaz. Ahaz, right? Jotham. Jotham, Ahaz. And then Hezekiah. That's right. Manasseh. Yeah. We're beyond our story now, but okay. yes. I'm not as good as this. Okay, well, we'll keep working on it. That's cool. Um, I'm afraid if I work on those, I'll forget Israel. Well, then you have yeah. to work on Israel. It's like you have to say all of Israel and work on Judah and say all of Israel again. You do Israel. Hello. I missed a few weeks. But there is Jeroboam, uh, his son. Right. And then there's Baasha and Elah and Zimri and uh, Omri, Ahab, uh, Ahaziah, Joram, uh, Jehu. And I haven't been here since that, actually. Not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) The kings did not move. Okay, Jehoahaz, Jehoash, Jeroboam the second, Zechariah, Shalom, Menahem, Pekahiah, Pekah, Hoshi. Okay? So keep working. 
How long are those like a Nine years, three months, nine years. That's three months. Nine. No, that's June the last four in June, and it's eleven years, three months, eleven years, three months. Okay. Nine, eleven, same thing. So three months. Judah, Israel. Look at that's a little. <laughs> well, the lessons we need to learn come from why did Judah did Israel fall? I mean, we're not just reading and studying this so we know about history. We're trying to gain practical lessons, and so we need to consider what happened. 7 to 15. Now this came about because the sons of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up from the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods, and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel, and in the customs of the kings of Israel, which they had introduced. The sons of Israel did things secretly which were not right against the Lord their God. Moreover, they built for themselves high places in all their towns from watchtower to fortified city. They set for themselves sacred pillars that ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burned incense on all the high places as the nations did which the Lord carried away to exile before them. And they did evil things provoking the Lord. They served idols concerning which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes according to all the law which I have commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you through my servants, the prophets. However, they did not listen, but stiffened their neck like their fathers, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenant, which he made with their fathers and his warnings, with which he warned them. And they followed vanity and became vain, and went after the nations which surrounded them concerning which the Lord had commanded them not to do. Okay, so they sinned against the Lord who brought them up out of the land of <laughs> Egypt and tried to ask for help from the nation he delivered them from, Egypt. They feared other gods, they walked in the customs of the nations, uh, they were wicked. They turned away from the Lord, their father, their savior, their husband, did things that uh, secretly which weren't right against God, they worshipped all these other idols, burned incense in the high places, they served idols. They were big time betraying the Lord. I mean, it's almost like, what would you, what, how much of this would you have to put in a, you know, petition for divorce? I mean, wow, any one of these things would have been ground for putting her away. All this is, you know, just outrageous. And the Lord had warned them through all his prophets constantly saying, turn away from your evil ways and keep my commandments. Um, so God had given them every opportunity to know that what they were doing was wrong and that they needed to repent. But how did they treat those warnings? And listen, they did what they wanted to. They were stiff-necked. So they followed, verse 15, vanity and became vain. We become like what we follow. You follow things that are empty, you'll become empty. And there's nothing more empty than idol gods, because they don't even exist. So that's what was happening with them. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants and his warnings. Um, they did what the Lord had said not to do. So that's, that's pretty outrageous, you know, behavior. And I mean... God did whatever he could to try to bring them back, and they wouldn't do it. So we need this section. We need to know 
what was the cause of the downfall and exile to get really an object lesson on how important it is for us to obey the Lord. Comments and questions? It's interesting that we can see back here the people being punished and being uh, all these things going wrong in their life, being God-loving and trying to bring them back. But when it happens to us today, when trials come up today, we think, well, what was I... Why, why is God hating me? Why, why we start blaming God when we should be giving God the credit for trying to help us because he loves us in that as well. And we, we may <laughs> resent the people God's put in our life to warn us and to tell us we ought to straighten up. You know, how do we react to them? Uh, don't tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. Or do we listen? Other thoughts? Through 15? 16 to 23. And they forsook all the commandments of the Lord their God, and made for themselves molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served Baal. Then they made their sons and their daughters pass through the fire, and practiced divination and enchantments, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him. So the Lord was very angry with Israel, and removed them from his sight. None was left except the tribe of Judah. Also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in, in the customs which Israel had introduced. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. When he had torn Israel from the house of David, they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel away from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. And the sons of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel from his sight. As he spoke through all his servants, the prophets, so Israel was carried away into exile from their own land to Assyria until this day. Some of the most outrageous sins were in 16 and 17. Forsook all the commands of the Lord, made the molten image, the calves, those calves, you know, the Asherah, the host of heaven, Baal, they practiced child sacrifice and divination and, and just gave themselves over to evil. I mean, what's God going to do in a case like that? You know, it's almost like they were creative. You know, they invented about every evil scheme you could imagine to involve themselves in. No wonder the Lord punished them. So, verse 18, that's an important so. You know, here's the link between the sin and the judgment. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. None was left except Judah. Now, Judah didn't do what was right either. And he's going to get what's coming to him. Um, but, but Jeroboam, you know, had such great potential with Israel. He could have had a great dynasty, but he committed that great sin of leading them into the apostasy with the golden calves. And so, you know, the Lord didn't have any choice. He removed Israel from his sight. You know, they carried him away into exile. I mean, I think God's really justifying you know, what he did to Israel, and implying that the same thing's going to have to be done to Judah. Comments and questions? So verse 18, where it says, all except the tribe of Judah, that's not just Judah, right? That's Benjamin and Levi still left? Yeah, Levites may have been scattered, so <coughs> maybe not all the tribe of Levi, but yeah, I think Benjamin and Judah were together. tribe of Judah may be standing for the nation of Judah. Which is 
which Judah was the dominant tribe for sure. All right. I have uh, a question. Yes. It's kind of a side question. Um, so God obviously hates human sacrifice. Yes, he does. Um, so then somebody asked me one time, and kind of made sense, like, why did he tell Abraham to offer Isaac? Or well, it wasn't because he liked human sacrifice. Of course. Because he didn't <laughs> allow Abraham to complete it. So I think it was just a test to see if Abraham was really going to be faithful to him, no matter what. But it does seem kind of odd that like he would tell him to do something that he... Like, if he had carried it out, he would have... God would have... God wasn't going to let him carry it out. Okay. But Abraham didn't know that. That's exactly right. If he had known that, it wouldn't have been a test. Yeah. Yeah. Other thoughts? All right. Uh, 24 to 33. The king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and Sepharabim and settled them in the cities of Samaria and the place of the sons of Israel. So they possessed Samaria and lived in its cities. At the beginning of their living there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom, have, whom you have carried away into exile in the cities of Samaria do not know the custom of the God of the land. So he has sent lions among them, and behold, they kill them because they do not know the custom of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Take there one of the priests whom you carried away into exile, and let him go and live there, and let him teach the custom of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they carried away into exile from Samaria came and lived at Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own and, and put them in the houses of the high places which the people of Samaria had made, every nation and their cities which they had lived. The men of Babylon made Succoth Benoth, uh, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak. And the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire to Adremelech and Anemelech, the gods of Sepharvaim. They also feared the Lord and appointed from among themselves priests of the high places who acted for them in the houses of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods according to the custom of the nations from among whom they had been carried away to exile. Okay. So, uh, Assyria takes people and puts them back where the people of Israel had come from. He repopulates the territory with people from various other places. But of course, these are people who don't know the Lord, they don't know anything about the Lord, and so what starts happening? Lion attacks. Yeah, God sends the lions in to, to uh, threaten and attack them. Um, well, they figure there's something wrong here. And what do they think is needed? Each land has its own God, and we've got to figure out this one. And because we're in his territory, and so he's cursing us because we're not uh, following proper procedures, you know, proper etiquette for worshiping him. You know, you better figure out how to please the God in the place where you're living. 
And so that seems to be kind of the uh, mentality here. We need to get somebody who can kind of give an indoctrination in how do you behave for the God of this land. And uh, who do they select? Okay. Uh, so send one of these priests back there where, you know, he, he comes and lives at Bethel. And so, you know, what does this priest tell him if he's from Bethel? Probably a little bit closer. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, exactly. He's going to tell him some things about the true God mixed with a bunch of garbage. You know, it appears that the lion attack stopped. The Lord was merciful in that. But really, the priest at Bethel uh, manages to just sort of perpetuate that false worship system and false worship concept that you see. Uh, of all the, all the places they could have found a priest to, to teach them. I mean, you really know, oh, if he's a priest of Bethel, I know he was in that false worship system. You know, who would have let him stay as, in Bethel as a priest if he was opposed to it? And so did the peoples that repopulated the land, did they quit worshiping God? Did they quit? Yeah. They, 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 yeah, they, they did. Look at verse uh, 5. They, they also feared the Lord. They appointed priests to high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods. What verse? Uh, verse 32 and 33. It's really interesting. Well, they they're serving the Lord and serve their own Yeah, so why does this work? <laughs> they, they're doing them all. They've learned how to fear God, quote-unquote, from the priest of Bethel. They continue worshiping their gods, too. They have just added another god to their pantheon. So it's, it's not like they don't worship him. Oh, they learn how to do it. They learn how to worship. They learn all the mechanical procedures, probably. Not much about the heart and faith and trust and life and so forth. And... Uh, but that, that's what happens. We, we can say, well, I'm still worshiping God while we're doing all these other things, but God won't accept divided loyalties. No wonder he sent the lions in, and it's amazing that he blessed them now, as bad as things still are. He's almost like acting like they would expect him to. Like, they said, oh, it's because you know he's like one of the other idols, and he's you know, we don't know how to obey him. And then right. when they kind of started doing it, then he removed the lines. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like, he was acting as they would have expected an idol god to act. Perhaps. I mean, God's very merciful. It's amazing what God does. And, I mean, even accepting the distorted concept of this, <laughs> you know, priest of Bethel, you know, God is still blessing. <laughs> he's not talking to Jews, right? I mean, That's right. The peoples that were brought in that are there and need trained are non-Jewish people. Therefore, they don't know the customs and traditions of the God that's over this area. So they can't necessarily be held to the same standard, you know, even if I guess what this priest is teaching even if it's filled with some garbage uh, as long as he's 
well, as long as he's teaching them about God, I mean, that's, I guess, a step farther than what they would have done otherwise. I think it probably was. God can send the judgments when he wants, and he can grant clemency and pardon when he wants to. Golden cows weren't still there. They would have taken them. I agree. I agree. But he's a priest of Bethel, so his concepts of worship and religion are going to be more based upon, you know, what he's learned. Besides, if he taught them the right thing, he would have taught them you have to go to Jerusalem and right. not in the right. high places and wherever they were. And they wouldn't have had all the other gods. Right. Yeah. They they had really. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny in a way because um, the somehow or other it hadn't worked very well in connection with the Assyrian, uh, you know, conquest. Uh, you know, what was the problem? Because the problem was they weren't really faithful. I mean, learning worship procedures is not the same thing as learning faith mm. and you know trust and obedience mm. and things like that. That's what the lesson they really needed, and not some sort of mechanical, you know, way to go about. Doing all these things. Just thinking about how, uh, you know, from the Revelation study, how Satan wreaks a lot of havoc through false religion, and you know, Satan's okay with us serving God. He just doesn't want us to only serve God. Right. And that's why Jesus stresses, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It's just interesting. You, know, you kind of see that concept here. You know, it, right. Good point. Other thoughts or comments? Nope. It also shows how, like, sometimes we say that we're serving God, but we don't really love Him, and we're loving other idols and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can deceive ourselves because what we say, we often believe. You know, if we talk it good, mm-hmm. then pretty soon we think, "Yeah, I'm doing good. I, I tell, I say all the time, I'm fearing God." dichotomy between our words and our actions. Alright, well, why don't we stop there then? We can, uh, uh, you're going to be gone next week. So, like two weeks from now. It'll be like the uh, six weeks. Mm-hmm. Very good. Alright, hey, I could use some help. Unloading some chairs, hauling in the basement. Oh yeah, we have tons of people. I know. Here. I was so glad. Please don't do that.